This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. At least you better be. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mostly Homeless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damien. All right, buddies, welcome back to the show. Took a little time off uh, to go to Riot Fest, went to the Fest Gainesville. I started a PR company called Airwolf PR that takes up way more time than I thought it would. And I've uh, been doing some writing for New Noise Magazine and doing some uh, freelance stuff here there as well. Started a new job. Uh, needless to say, I've been stupid busy. And really, there hasn't been that many great bands coming through and uh, great artists. And it was kind of nice to take some time off. Uh, the last time I took some time off, it was mental health time off. This time, I was just stupid busy and just uh, needed a break. And now we're back. And hopefully, we will be running with new episodes all the way through into the new year. Um, we've got some really, really, really cool stuff in the works and coming up uh in today's episode is another awesome episode i'm super super duper excited to sit down and chat with astronautalist himself mr andy bothwell um i i first came into contact with uh astronautalist as i'll ramble on to him in the over interview i do here at the marquee theater here in denver uh, i i first worked a uh, hip-hop show with the black sheep uh, one of my coworkers was the dj was performing that night and I got sucked into bartending. I'm not a hip-hop guy, but I fell madly in love with Astronautilus and his works and his previous record, um, uh, This Is Science. He's out on tour right now, a uh, 50-state tour, promoting his newest record out on Side One Dummy, Cut the Body Loose, one of my favorite records of the year. And um, I open up this interview, I, I make a little joke uh, of sorts. I have this technique where I like to tell to open up with like an embarrassing story or just really to kind of embarrass myself. I found that it's a pretty interesting interview trick to kind of put the um, the guest at ease and kind of bring them down um, to a more comfortable, calm level when they know that I'm kind of freaking out in my head. Um, it, it works pretty well, I think. It, it makes me look like a fool, but that's why this is called Most Armless Damn It Damien, and I have a fool tattoo on my leg is because I like playing the part of the fool. So please excuse that. Ignore my ramblings. And buddies, uh, today, today is uh, November 9th, the day after the a wonderful election that just took place here in these United States of America, and uh, I am just uh, I am just speechless about w- what has happened and what's going on. But I'm not a smart enough guy to really talk about it. Um, I just you know the, the words of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy spring to mind: Don't panic. Um, we will persevere. We will do bigger and better things. And our art, I mean, you know, take misery, put it in art. Our art will grow. Um, and as long as we keep using our voice. And that's some of the stuff we talked to uh, Andy and AKA Astronautilus about today is finding your voice, using your voice, and, uh, you know, how much good is left out there in the world. Um, going forward, I'm going to try to cut these introductions way down because I know they are everyone's least favorite part of the show, but I'm a rambler. I'm a dambler whatever fool um so without any further ado let's go ahead and uh, take a listen to a track from cut the body loose out now inside one dummy um i think we should open this one up with running away from god it's uh, one of my favorite tracks off the new record uh please take a listen buddies and then we'll jump to the marquee theater where we will uh 
do a little chat with Mr. Andy Bothwell, a.k.a. Astronautilus, about a week before the election. Oh, man, I wish I could talk to him today and see, uh, see how he feels about today. I... All right, buddies, let's take a listen. time I used to bartend at the Black Shoot in Colorado Springs. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since I've seen it. I think you were on the This Is Science release tour, maybe. Yeah, that was a minute ago. Yeah, um, And I was bartending, and um, I'll be honest, I'm not a hip-hop guy. That's I don't okay. really care for hip-hop. But um, I remember bartending in that show and being like, dude, this is fucking cool. All awesome. right, I dig this. Awesome. And uh, you were super cool hanging out after the show. You hung out. We... Bullshitted about God knows what, what because I was bartending. Of course, mm-hmm. I was drinking. 
as you were probably. Me too. Very much so. So who knows what the hell we talked about? I was like, I fucking like this guy. I like this guy a lot. Awesome. And man. I bought that record. And I bought this of science. I took it home. And I remember I was like, ah, let's throw this on. See what this is all about. And I'm playing it and I'm cleaning my apartment and I hear um, um, Measure the Globe yeah. comes on. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I hear the opening lines, Kevin Seconds says we're passing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Kevin Seconds is a buddy of mine. Oh, really? And I go, That's the shit. whoa. Stop, rewind. Well, you know, picked up the needle, put Bring it back. back and I'm yeah. like, no, that's what he says. The lyrics sheet, I'm like, he's talking about my buddy Kevin Seconds. And it made me fall even more in love with that song, that record, everything. That's awesome. And um, and I, I've been chasing, after interviewing you for a long time, God, this is great podcasting for the listeners. Like, Damien, <laughs> Damien, shut the hell up and get to the interview. Um, but for whatever reason, it's never worked out. I got granted an interview request once with you uh, in the years between now and then, but I couldn't get out of work to do it. Today, I took the whole day off. I brought my friend Dex from Australia. Hi, Dex. Where are you from in Australia? Melbourne. Melbourne. Man, one of the best cities in the world. Yes. It is one of the best cities in the world. If it wasn't so far away from everything, I would live there in a heartbeat. Me too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited to sit here and chat with you today. And Thanks, then, man. I'm really nervous, too. I've got to be honest with you. I've been doing all my research today. Yeah. You're a really, really, really smart person. <laughs> You're a really intelligent human being, <laughs> or at least you come off that way, you know. It's, uh, it, uh, I'm good at trivial pursuit. That's nice. about where it starts and ends. Well, I, and I'm just this dumb guy with a microphone who rambles too much instead of asking you questions. Um, but what I like is today. Today I just delved right in and, and learned about your journey. Do you get tired of talking about your origin story? I mean, to a degree, but yeah. you know, like whatever. Like it's cool. also my job too, so I'm not really complaining about it. <laughs> well, I've got this idea in my head. That there's somebody somewhere sitting either in a cubicle or maybe in hiding in the high school library listening to the podcast of some of their favorite artists and whatnot and they're gonna hear you talking about how you became you or maybe and, and learn something from yeah and and that's what helped me start this this podcast I started at the age of 29 I was a late bloomer I would listen to Mark Marin talking about like whatever the hell Mark Marin and his com- comedian friends talked about it. I was like I can do this too mm-hmm. here we are I'm sitting here talking yeah, yeah. voila and uh, mm-hmm. so one of the things I like to ask people is, is like how they got started mm-hmm. and so and you're the guy you're the guy who is you found how did you find hip hop my older brother gave it to me he gave me a tape that's the way it's always yeah, older I was. I mean you're We're older you're one of those people that's lucky to have a cool older brother it's like a real blessing and, and I have one and I had one and he was great and he is great and he's still teaches me things but he um he uh came up in sort of the baltimore house scene in the early 90s and got really into house music and dance music and from that like a lot of people from that era then got into rap music and so i was really i was like a punk kid and like into grunge rock and stuff like that and uh just you know skateboarder or whatever and did not like rap i hate i had like literally the year a year before I decided I wanted to be a rapper. I had the phrase "rap sucks" written on my binder in middle school, and then my brother gave me a tape with uh, Lord Finesse's "Return of the Funky Man" on it, and then filled kind of in the last parts of the B side with some songs from the Guru's Jasmine Taz Volume One, and I heard that, and that was like both of those albums were so different from anything that was being any rap music that was being yeah. displayed publicly at the time, and this you know there was a lot going on with rap music at the time. This is like early '90s. So there's a lot going on, but like you had to kind of search it out. Whereas like there was there was pop rap, but it was very stupid. It's, yeah. You know the tail end of MC Hammer and all that sort of it's really dumb pop rap. Just before Biggie and Tupac came out and sort of just sort of changed things. Um, 
and so that's yeah that's how I got into it and I heard that and I heard Lord Finesse and then I heard Big L from here in Lord Finesse because they're in DITC together and I sort of really got into DITC got into De La Soul got into Tribal Quest when I heard yeah. Lord Finesse and Big L I, I was t- my brother told me that they were both like real famous for freestyle rapping and I am a like youthful like stupidity thought their albums were all freestyle and so that's what I thought freestyles were supposed to sound like and I was like in the theater so I was like really in improv and so I heard that and I thought much the same as you like I thought I can do that and so for two years like while I walked my dog I just taught myself how to rap and I freestyle while I walked my dog and I just like emulated all these New York rappers until I felt like I was in a position where I could present it to the other kids that were freestyling at my school um, and not embarrass myself and when I did that I didn't embarrass myself and I was really lucky shortly thereafter to transfer to a school sort of in the inner city like a public arts magnet school so like probably two thirds of that school was black um, and so I was immersed in like rap culture I was immersed in black culture and so I was like the white kid that rapped with all these dudes and I would not if those sort of like couple of stars aligning my brother influencing me this way growing up in Florida getting this lie to me told, told to me about Lord Finesse like or making up this lie in my mind and then ultimately being in that environment where I could rap with kids every single day I wouldn't be where I am now yeah how scary was it that first time you were put on the spot and, and you had to go out there and you had to spit those rhymes or whatever, whatever? The yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first, I went to this first, this, I went to a regular public school like at the beach and like it's. And this is a Port Lauderdale? Jacksonville. 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 Sorry, sorry. I was just good. in Port Lauderdale. That's where. It's all good. Jacksonville, Florida. I went to this school called Fletcher Senior High and it's like literally like two blocks from the ocean. Um, kids like ditch their surfboards in the bushes as they run to class, like soaking wet. Like it's that. Um, but it's also a Navy town. Like Jacksonville's a really weird town because it's a Navy town, but it's a beach town. But it's also like the South. So it's this weird mixture of like Southern culture, beach culture, and Navy, Navy-based culture, which is like rough. Um, so it's a fucking weird place. Um, and I'm like the most middle-class suburban kid ever. I grew up on a farm in Maryland before I moved to um, Florida. And so like there were some kids there that rapped. There were some like cool. They were cool kids. And I was not a cool kid at all. And I got like the nerve to like freestyle, and they would sort of like tolerate me. What I found out later is they were talking houses of shit behind my back. Which is like whatever, and then I kind of like got embarrassed and then just didn't rap anymore. And then I started hanging out with some other like artsy kids and skateboarding, and they were like talking about it. And I was like, oh, I rap, and they were like, well, let me hear you freestyle. And so I freestyled, and everyone was like super bugging out about it. And then me and my friend at the time, like Nathan and Tolik, we moved, we both transferred to this arts magnet school, and we became like fast friends. And he saw these other like this group of black kids. They were called like the Anti Crew, is what they're called. They were all freestyling, and Nate saw him, and he was just like. I mean, he could smoke all these dudes. And so he, like, grabbed me by the shoulders at lunch, and he was like, come over here, you're going to rap with these guys. And I rapped with these two dudes, and I'm battling these two dudes, and then beating them. And the dude that was the beatboxer, this guy named Willis Billups. Willis Billups, what a real name. Willis <laughs> Billups. And he looked like a Willis Billups. He sounded like a Willis Billups. He was like a sound effects machine. He was a fucking class clown. He was hilarious. Willis Billups and Nathan and Tolik both, like, Willis was like, after I beat those two, he's like, come with me, you're gonna go rap these against these guys. And I ran across, they ran me across the lunchroom, and they were like, okay, and I battled those two dudes, and I beat those two dudes. And they're like, come with me, they ran me across the lunchroom, and I battled those two dudes, and I beat those two dudes. And eventually everyone was just like, who the fuck is this white boy that just showed up? And after that, it was just like every day, get off the bus and start rapping. We would meet in the hallways, we'd rap. At lunch, we would rap. We'd get off, wait for the bus, we'd rap. Like, and it's all we did. And that's like where I got my chops up. Do you ever run to that guy who grabbed you by the shoulders and throw you threw you into things? Nathan, yeah, I mean, I still see him. He's like really good friends with my all of my friends, and I actually see him at Christmas sometimes. So I just got to see him, which was great. He's a really talented artist. Um, yeah. So if that kid hadn't grabbed you, would you still be doing this stuff today? No, I'd probably be doing theater. Theater? Um, yeah, yeah. I was going to school I, at the time. I went to this arts magnet school for theater. Originally to be an actor, but like halfway through, decided that I'm not a good actor. And, um, 
I, I got into directing, um, and then I went to university. I went to Southern Methodist University um, for on a theater scholarship for directing and lighting design, and was working as that and like working towards that. And when I like so like when I just before I left Florida, I, I was battling a lot of kids in Jacksonville. And like back then, like it's important sort of contextually to understand that like rap music back then. It may sound silly to say this, but Eight Mile actually changed a lot about like yeah. the way people understood white people's relationship to rap music, um, what rap music was, the, the sport of battle rapping. Like before that, like you had to really search out the opportunity to freestyle with kids, and you would literally go to abandoned buildings and train yards, graffiti spots, and weird bars. And I had like dudes try to beat me up. I had a, I stopped battling because some dude pulled a gun on me, was going out to the car to get his gun. Because I was like this tiniest little white boy, and I was like battling men like dudes that had gotten out of prison in Jacksonville you know and I was so naive like all I cared about was like rapping and so like I wasn't aware like I'm in a dangerous place I should watch my step I should not make fun of this guy too publicly I was completely naive on that um so I stopped battling because some dude pulled a gun on me and I would just do it like to impress girls in college or whatever and I got kind of like um, my track was all theater. I was going to be a director and a lighting designer. I was already working as a lighting designer. I actually spent a summer in Creed, Colorado, at the Creed Repertory oh. Theater as their like lighting designer, and, a lighting designer and a master electrician there. Um, and like I was like on that path. But then slowly, at the end of my last few years of college, I started like being the guy that opened up for every rap group that came yeah. through. And this is in the golden age of like indie rap music the rise of like Atmosphere and Sage Francis and Anticon Records and Rhyme Series and Def Tricks and all those people and you were in Dallas too right in which is like even more it, Dallas it was, it was yeah and it was it, man I, I went to Dallas like sight unseen pretty much on a scholarship yeah. it was the only theater school that gave me any money and I couldn't afford to go to NYU or fucking Carnegie Mellon or whatever and I went there and I was went there begrudgingly I was not happy to be going there. I felt <laughs> very disappointed that I didn't get yeah. to go to New York you know and I fell in love with that place, and it, yeah. and, I, and I, that honestly, going to that school, being in that city, that was the that's the most important thing that's ever happened in my life. A lot of the other stuff was sort of little. That was that set me on the path that I went on. And after I graduated, I got asked to go on the Vans Warped Tour in 2003, and I did that for no money, for just you could hustle CDs, you get 30 minutes on the side stage. And my buddy, who was my roommate at the time, wanted to quit his job. He'd been working as a computer-aided draftsman, and he was like, "Man, I'm ready to quit my job. I'll, I'll drive you around." Let's see if anything works from this. If it doesn't, I'll go find another job, do something I want to do. You can go pursue theater, done, done, done. And that um, was the first year that I went on tour. That was the first tour I ever did. And we haven't stopped ever since. And now he's my manager, Brock, who we've been talking we to. We just met. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's been over 13 years now. Jeez, man. That's a hell of a journey. Yeah, man. And it's, you know, and then, you know, that was the, that was the, start that was the toe in the fucking water and then it's 13 years of sleeping in cars and fucking eating pb and j and slowly getting together to where i can pay rent and you know get my motorcycle out of the impound lot right oh man oh man i don't even know where to go from i have so many like notes here i didn't like write out questions it's all good man and like so so again i imagine this little kid sitting you know again hiding listening to this like i want to do this i want to get up there you were just a kid practicing in his bedroom until somebody thrust you out there. Yeah, pretty much. Do you think you would have gotten out eventually had you not been thrust? Yeah, but I don't think that I would have. Um, I wouldn't have gotten this far. I would have gotten out. I would have been like I think at the best that I would have achieved is I would have been like the local yeah. rapper, local rapper hero who would have opened up for everybody. But honestly, if it wasn't for 
Brock, my manager, now manager, yeah. really seeing something more in my work and introducing me to other people. Um, he never had any like notion of being my manager. He's just a rap fan. And he yeah. just went to all the shows and he was like, oh my God, you should meet this guy who makes beats. You should meet this guy who makes beats. You should meet this other rapper. And like, if it wasn't for those, him in the same situation that happened with me in high school, like I would have sort of just kind of, I'm actually a really shy guy. Oh. And was really shy when I was very young. Like, um, almost like helped me back in kindergarten. I was so shy. I've like since figured out tricks to kind of work around it and I figured out like my character of the version of yeah. me that is not shy. I, I, I actually have it written down right here. You seem so competent and well put together. Have you always been that way? <laughs> no. Like it, it's really right there. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I see it's, um, I am not. I have just figured out um, the, the tricks. The, the tricks. tricks of how to do it. Yeah. The tricks. It's like the same way that like, a, you know, and, and that's the thing. I'm very fucking shy. I control the power because I got the questions yep. here. And this is the character that I play in at Lona, you know, yeah, same as you. So and here we are doing this thing. Yeah, once you sort of... Some more successful than others. Find out the rules. Like you, you yeah. find out a way to be, like, kind of build your own circus around you and establish your own rules. You know, you can sort of trick everything. And in the same way that, you know, like, I feel like, and I'm really overselling, you know, the, the pain of shyness, but, like, in the same way that someone with, like, who's blind figures out how to get the fuck around a city. Like, and, yeah. you know, like, you just, you figure it out. You figure it out as best as you can, and it doesn't always work, but it works most of the time, and most people don't even notice unless they look hard enough. Well, and there's the thing about the shy kids, because, again, like, I, I am shy yeah. in nature, but who grown out of that. You turn, you tend to be an observer. Yeah. And you're an observer. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. You get to see things that other people don't. You get to feel things other people don't. And that, that definitely, like, it's okay to be shy and quiet and figure out your way out of that thing into something else. I don't know where I'm going with that. But no, but that's a good, I mean, that's a, a absolutely like that. Um, if, it, if I wasn't shy, I wouldn't write the music I write. If I wasn't shy, I wouldn't have had all the time in the world. Like, the reason that I rapped so much in high school and got so good at freestyling is because I was scared of girls. Like, if I, was, <laughs> if I knew how to talk to girls, I wouldn't have been standing and washing dishes in the dish pit at Al's Pizza, freestyling to the fucking wall while all the cute waitresses were coming in and out and being real nice to me, but me not being able to talk to them. If I knew how to talk to them, you better believe I would have been like, Patoom! I would have been out of the beach making out as fast as I could, but I couldn't. I didn't know how to talk to girls, and so I was terribly shy, and so I just rapped instead. And so, if, honestly, you know, it's that, like, as trite as this fucking thing has been, the 10,000 hours thing has been trotted out over and over again now. Like, it I've is, read that book. I yeah, believe in it. Yeah, absolutely true, and, like, I, and I do believe in it as well. And, like, it wouldn't, if I didn't have these other failings that led me, to, forced me into sort of a somewhat insular life, but not so insular that I didn't encounter these other people, I was just shy enough, you know? Yeah. Well, how important was your education? Because again, you seem very smart, very well educated, and very well read. Um, I, I'm super dyslexic, so some of my thoughts and patterns are all over the fucking place. So when I read your stuff, listen to your stuff, it's just like in a whole other universe for somebody like me because I, I can't, I can like grasp the outside. I, I get the feel for it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop talking while you. Let, well, what, I, what do you think? The, I mean, like my, I was not a good. Once I figured out. That I didn't need to do homework and I could right. get C's when I was that kid, you know. Yeah. It was like if I don't, I don't really need to study for a test. I can sort of graze things and I'll be fine and I'll get a B or a C. My in my house, B's and C's were not an acceptable grade <laughs> um, at all. Uh, and ultimately, like, but I still kind of coasted. And it wasn't until I got into this like specialized high school for theater, and then ultimately into like this really specialized conservatory track for theater in college that I actually excelled as a student. Because that was I loved, and I was very good at that, and 
the idea of like I have a brain some people are, are built to be students some people are built to be artists and some people are built to be art students and I have a brain to be an art student I enjoy the intellect, intellectualization of art I enjoy the debate about art theory like some artists hate that they just want to just be alone especially musicians hate, hate the idea of education about music generally they've grown to love it as they get older and that's why they all become country musicians when they become older but like when we're all young we all are just like fuck school I just want to be a fucking rapper or a punk or whatever the fuck and I've always enjoyed education as long as it was taught to me by someone that I respected if I did not respect you you were fucking dead to me and I was the biggest pain in the ass in your class and I never did I bet yeah Um, what was college life like for you great it was the best thing yeah and I was really lucky I was one of those people that went to a college um, that was perfect for me and I didn't know it going into it and I, my other plan was like if I didn't get accepted in theater schools or get money from theater schools I would have gone to University of Florida and become a history teacher which meant I would have gone to University of Florida I would have got a job tending bar somewhere and I would have dropped out within the first two years because I would have not cut it because I wouldn't cut it uh, cut it without that level of work but this like really in-depth conservatory theater work where you're at school 18 hours a day you're taking 22 credit hours a semester it's four years you have to finish you start with the same people you finish the same people it is like emotional rigor like the first two years are about putting you guys through this ringer together so that you the next two years when you're really working you can critique each other honestly and you have this trust that's built it's a brutal program and I was really lucky to go there and I really thrived in it and ultimately it's a process of a product kind of like theater school some theater schools are really about getting you hired getting you jobs teaching you how to audition and this is very like artsy fartsy and rolling around on the floor and fucking getting in touch with your feelings and making weird experimental theater and if that that's how I I have no musical training it's I have aesthetic I have what I like and then I have all this theater training and so that's how my education is my everything so my theater education is my everything for music that's a perfect leeway into what I really want to ask you about is how did you as a young man find this voice how did you become this astronautalist character I mean it did with it was not something that happened easily I mean like and I and if you you listen to my first two records they you know to be frank there are moments on those records that I'm proud of there's a lot of records I'm embarrassed by, a lot of parts that I'm embarrassed by. But ultimately, the thing with both of those records is me, they're me trying to be other bands. Um, and it wasn't until my third record, Pomegranate, that like I really felt like I had um, made me. Like I had made something that no one had ever made before. Uh, and it's not a totally successful record in my mind. There's parts on that that I have problems with that I would love to go back and fix if I could. But like that was the first time I felt like I had... Um, done something unique that I had and I had really hit um, a, a na- my nail on the head you know um, especially in a couple real high moments on that record and it's a real and that's I think a, a big sort of turning point where I stopped um, trying to be cool on my records and trying to like sound like other things and just became myself and ultimately like I am kind of a nerdy dude <laughs> and I made a historical fiction rap record and lo and behold that's where I found my voice and how old were you when you did that? I wrote that record when I was like 24 25 something like that and I've been at that point in time had been rapping for 10 years you know um, and like you know we're way at that point way past the 10,000 hours point you know yeah. and at that point like too it should be said too that like for the first like four or five years um, I had been rapping I never wrote songs rap was like a craft 
it wasn't like a art for me. It wasn't until like towards the last few years of college I started to think about songs because I got bored with battling because like I, I realized like there's a real low glass ceiling of creativity on battling and I got real tired of like every weekend signing up to be called faggot or whatever you know like there was like a very like um I, re- I looked around and I was like this is not for me and and then got really into a bunch of other sort of kind of like far out music and that really pushed me in the direction I went in but it took me probably like I would say six or seven years of like making music before I felt like I got I started to find my voice yeah. and then you know you catch it and you lose it you catch it and you lose it you know there's stuff like uh, on my last record on This Is Our Science which I'm really really proud of that record like and I set out really hard to make that record the most personal record I ever made and I look back on it now and I realize it's like the, the it is me but it's like the dating profile version of me or the job interview version oh, of me yeah. like even when I'm talking about the worst parts of my character I'm talking about them in sort of a wistful like you know like that line of kiss any woman that moves like that's not really a commendable character trait but I present it in a light that's sort of just like oh that wandering old rap scallion whereas like with this record it's like this is me and it's a lot more like the blood and guts and crumbs of a motherfucker yeah. as opposed to like old polished up suit and tie Andy here we are today yeah yeah this is where we are today in this basement in Denver I know and it's great I'm so happy to be here me too are you still living in a studio apartment um, yeah, well, no, I got a one bedroom. I oh, got married this cool. summer. Oh, congratulations. Thank you very hey, much. The ring on your yeah, 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 absolutely. Staring at absolutely. No, it's been a, uh, I got married this summer. My girlfriend uh, moved to Minneapolis and moved in with me um, and became a wife. And uh, we have a one bedroom now. <laughs> we moved, moved on up to in the same building, just a one bedroom. Same building the studio is in, yeah. but just a one bedroom, which well, is great. Yeah. Well, so I'm going to ramble for a second, but Go I just it. turned 35. The mm-hmm. day I turned 35, I watched this movie about improv mm-hmm. called Don't Think Twice. Have yeah, you yeah. seen it? I haven't seen it yet. It's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Berbiglia. 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 Yeah. So good. Highly recommend it, especially because you come from a theater background. Yeah. And a lot of the movie is about the one guy in the theater troupe succeeds and the rest of them are questioning their place. Yep. I work at a burrito joint. I roll burritos for a living. Yeah. But in my spare time, to pay my soul, I get to sit and talk with you yeah. and I'm going to leave this and I'm going to be so high yeah, in yeah. the fumes of this yeah, yeah. it's so great and I got to wonder like when you're sleeping in that studio apartment do you do you feel like this whole journey is worth it for you because um, you get to see the whole fucking world yeah. you get to do so much it's like, I, I don't know where I'm trying to go with this but you get this yes I mean in answer yes. to your question yes but also like it's very important to note like um it's a, a really weird thing that you don't expect about this thing when you do it longer and then you start to make a little bit of money at it um, and you start to be able to pay your friends and bring people on the road and have employees and the thing starts to build um, is that like there's this whole other pressure that you don't think about because all of a sudden you're now a small business owner which is not something you ne- I never fantasized about being. I don't want to be at all. I am begrudgingly a small business owner. I want to be an That's artist and a musician. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> but ultimately, at the end of the day, too, like he is like, you know, that was like the other thing we would fig- figure out our relationship now that we're like, oh shit, we're a business. Like we'd figure out our tax relationship, not just our own like relationship. There's all this other stuff and like it becomes so much more complicated and like, you know, and then you get married and then you think, man, someday I want to have kids and like, I'm, you know, how am I going to make the family on a rapper's fucking salary <laughs> and then you're like thinking when you're playing like you know I'm doing this tour of all 50 states and you're playing in Oxford Mississippi for 12 people and you're thinking like I can't raise a family on 12 people in Oxford Mississippi we gotta figure something out here um, and so it is worth it and it's still like 
last night we played we were supposed to play in Laramie, Wyoming last night and the show got cancelled um, and we have to play all 50 states because we're playing all 50 states and so a show getting cancelled is no excuse not to play yeah I saw the video of South Carolina yeah so it's, it's happening in South Carolina because of Hurricane Matthews so we played at Walmart, a Waffle House parking lot and so last night it got cancelled and we were like fuck this originally we were thinking we'll go because we got to drive to Salt Lake City tomorrow and we were like oh we'll stop in Little America and play a song and we are like well that sucks for all the people from Laramie that wanted to go to the show which is not a ton of people but like 13 people or whatever and so you know we were like fuck it we'll just drive up to Laramie and camp out in front of the building and play a show there and we played for like what was probably 20 people or something like that um and we played five songs because we had to like refigure out we can't play any the whole set is almost all electronics we couldn't figure out way to figure out how we're gonna do it acoustic and we ran the drum pads through the speaker system and had my guitarist play acoustic and like um we got we played that show like right there in the cold and just like passed around a bottle of whiskey and honestly that was gonna be that's gonna be one of the five best shows of the whole tour nice. and like we were all high leaving from that and then we drove back in the night and we listened to the baseball game and we like were out in like we stopped to pee in the middle of nowhere and it's the stars are just brilliant and the baseball game's blasting on the windows and we just played this show with a bunch of people and like that shit got me high like i walked yeah. away from that right. feeling high and like those are the things oddly enough it's like you know you almost never like tonight's show is gonna be awesome. Denver's great for us. There's gonna be people there. It's gonna be fun, and we're gonna you know barring some natural disaster, we're gonna walk away from the stage. We're gonna be like great show, and we're gonna be pumped on that. And then at the end of the like we'll go to bed and we'll wake up and, we'll, and it'll be like vaporized out of your brain. The thing it's a weird side effect, and there's a sort of a long way around to get to where you're going. Is that like uh, the the failures are drag you to death, yeah. man. They drag you to death. When shows go bad, when something goes wrong, when your album sales aren't where they want, where you want them to be, when like you know you don't get the support act you want, when you, you thought you were gonna get to be on tour with this band and it gets dropped and someone else gets it, that shit keeps you up at night. It's gonna give me fucking ulcers. Cause the thing is, and I'm sure it's the same way. Like when you walk away from an interview, you're like, man, I fucked that interview up. Yeah, like, it happens. Yeah, wow. sure, sure. Because it's a it's a thing. Like yeah. it's it's never gonna work all the time. No matter how good you are, you never and, and you're really good at. It. You're very seamless. It's great. And like it's, but it's never gonna work all the time. You're gonna fuck some shit up. And it doesn't matter because, um, it it cuts way deeper because this is the job that matters. Your burrito job. When you fuck up a burrito, it's when you fucked up a burrito. You go, oh man, okay, sorry, I fixed your fucking burrito. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. When I was hammering sheet metal and I fucked up the fucking duct, it didn't really matter because it was at the end of the day. I was just doing it for money. But this job matters, and so when it fucking fails on you, or when you fuck it up, or you do something stupid, or you drop a fucking ball, it feels like you just fucking shot yourself. Like it is such goddamn brutal pain, and it drags you to death for days. Yeah. And the successes feel great for 15 minutes. So, so on a bad day, how do you pick yourself up? When, when you can, because I know we can't always. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of like, uh... Well, I tell you what I do. Mm -hmm. And again, my listeners are cringing because I'm talking too much. On occasion, I will just sit on the toilet. It's gotta be the toilet, yeah. I don't know why. I open up my Instagram feed, and somehow I end up looking at my own damn photos. And yeah. I'm like, holy shit, look at all the cool stuff I've done. And I'm like, all right, cool. All right, it's like the, the baseball game last night. The, yeah. the rain, rain yeah. delay, they came back and were like, all right, Let's go. Yeah, I I got really into um, motorcycles in the last few years, and because I realized that there was a point where I was like I was gonna go crazy, um, because everything I was doing was for my music. Like I would listen to other music and try to figure out how I can like learn from them. I would watch other movies and learn, try to get inspiration. I was like constantly just like 
terrified that like the muse was gonna leave me at some point. And so everything, or like I wasn't gonna post enough on social media, or I wasn't gonna do everything right, and I was like starting to lose my fucking mind. Yeah. And it was, and if I had continued down that path, I would have like in five years just burned myself out and hated everything about music. And I got in a motorcycle, sort of a happenstance, a really lucky thing happened to me, and I. That was, that's my piece, man. Like, yeah. uh, I go out there, I can't, I ride my fucking motorcycle, I can't check my phone, I can't listen to anything other than music, and I don't, all I can do is listen to the map's voice in my hand, I can't respond to text messages, I can't do anything except for focus on not dying and enjoying the ride. And so it's like, and that's been, man, like, the, the first year I got the motorcycle, I rode it thousands of miles in a very short riding season in Minnesota we don't get a lot of months to do it and I rode it so much and the second year I rode it even more and I'm now I have two motorcycles and I'm already dreaming about a third like it's if I man if I could do it all the time I would do it all the time um, what about a motorcycle tour I, I'm brainstorming ideas on way to do it the problem is it has to be very routed very specifically because it's real tough to ride eight hours and then like okay let's wrap like that's yeah. not a thing that's gonna happen Fair so it has to be like a two days off like it has to be like get to a zone short rides kind of thing you know? Ben Nichols from Lucero did one over the spring I think yeah. just follow his route still from him yeah I mean you have to do uh, you have to have a support vehicle as well yeah, I'm sure I, yeah, yeah so like I would I'm trying to figure out a way to do it where I literally do it just on a motorcycle we're getting there we're getting there in my head oh. my glutton for punishment was touring apparently <laughs> I wish I could tour all the time. Um, we've hit that 30 minute mark. I want to end it with one last question. I've yeah, man. God, I've got so many I want to ask. Ask a few more. You're doing great, man. Um, back to the little kid thing. So when you look out in this audience, when you see these young kids, these young, shy little little kids, how often do you see your face out there in the crowd amongst these kids? Um, you know... I might be thinking too heady of that. Um, you know... Sometimes, but it's, I, I'm not, that's like a, a, when people tell me, I do. Yeah. But it's a, I'm, I'm kind of like, I am always still like uh, thrilled by my impact and am surprised by my impact. Like still pumped that it happens. And so when someone tells me like, you know, what, I, what really gets me excited more than anything is that like, um, when people say like, I quit my job and did X because of you. Like, I quit my job and I opened up a, you know, like someone told me in it, the, um, the, du- the, what's the, there's like a, like a punk, like kind of club down in Colorado Springs. Flux Capacitor. Flux Capacitor. Yeah, that's a good buddy of mine. Yeah, he said he, like, one of the things that inspired him to quit his job and, and run, help run Flux Capacitor was my show. And that was like, hearing that is yeah. the best, man. Like, that's the best. Like, that's the best feeling in the world. And it's never something that I, I am still pumped that it happens. Yeah. I don't see, I don't look forward to see well, it. And I know they're not your words, but I know them because of you. But that, you know, Kevin second said to me in passing, yeah. you know, um, age never meant shit to me. It's all about heart and stupidity. Yeah. I try to, I, those words echo in my head some days. And I'm like, all right, yeah, we're just, this is it, you know, like, I, I have a serious fear of missing out. I don't know if you do. What's that? I have a serious fear of missing out. Yeah, so yeah, I know it's still there. there. And I'm like, even though I get to do a lot of cool shit, I still kind of like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Ah, ah. Ah. And here we are doing this now. And like, I'm, I really am going to leave here super fucking high. Um, another question that I wrote today that I really liked was, you've traveled the world, seen some obscure places in the world, mm-hmm. but you're on the 50 States tour right now. Mm-hmm. It's almost over. 
What has surprised you about this tour of America versus the other ones? And um, the rest of the world. Well, there, when we set out to do this, there was um, there was no like savvy planning on our part with the timing of it, and it wasn't until like it was halfway booked that like it, we dawned on us that we're like, oh shit, we're doing this in the middle of the election. <laughs> like, oh, damn. like we didn't even think about it. We were just like, we'll do it. This is the time to do it. And basically, we've been wanting to do it for like ten years, and it, we felt like we both still had the energy to do it. Like we're just getting older, and we still have the energy to go out on a gnarly tour like this. Um, and now had to finally had the sort of means and the fan base and the booking agents to make it happen. And then it was about halfway through that it was booked that it was like um, we realized exactly what we're doing when we're doing it. And the thing that is like um, it is very easy for me to turn on. I go in the hotel every morning and I turn on the TV and I just try to like I'll watch the news or I watch Sports Center or whatever. But like. And my wife watches the news because she thinks American, she's German, she thinks American news is hysterical. Um, and so I watch the news, she loves watching Fox News, she thinks it's so goddamn crazy and confusing and funny. And she, uh, we watch this and then like, it makes me down, it bums me out. Um, I am a firm, like, I am a firm believer in like, the American mythology, like the, our revolution, the beautiful revolution that we had. I love all of these things. I love what America can be. I, and I watch what's going on and it breaks my heart about what America is becoming. And the thing that is the most surprising is not one specific place, but the fact that like, man, I'm real lucky I have a pretty diverse fan base. Um, you know, while it is like mostly white, um, it is a pretty even split between dudes and girls in lots of places. Um, there are, like, if I am in bigger, like, metropolitan areas, it's more racially diverse. Um, if I'm, like, in Texas, I got a lot of Mexican fans, like, the San Antonio crowd or whatever, like, you know, and then it's beyond that when I'm playing, like, D.C., I got a bunch of military. When I'm playing in, you know, I'm guaranteed you tonight everyone's going to have fucking dreadlocks and they're all going to be white boys. You know, they're dabbing out their fucking brains. General, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm generalizing yeah, I'm, ridiculously. I'm but the fact that, the fact that like, um, you know, like, when I go all around, I have a pre it's a pretty diverse scope of people. It's not just a bunch of, like, frat dudes or hippies or rap dudes or punk guys or whatever. And, like, the thing that's very... that is very reassuring to me out of this entire experience is that like I watch TV every morning and I see the people that are representing our country and it bums me out and I then go every night and I meet all the people that actually live in our country and it gets me high it makes me happy like it makes me less nervous about our future because it, and it further reaffirms the fact that like none of those people fucking represent us at all they represent a fringe on both sides and we're all like rallying our fucking troops to one against another and it's absurd because if you asked most of us a year ago if we liked that person we would all have been like hell no and we're all not beating our chest completely forgetting how we felt about them a year ago yeah and more than anything like the takeaway i get is that almost every single night i meet really kind people really nice people when i stop at the gas stations the fucking people there are nice people the sound people are nice people the bouncers are nice people like almost everybody i meet is a nice person i guarantee you there are people in my crowd every night that are voting for Trump, and I guarantee you there are people in my crowd every night that are voting for Hillary Clinton, I guarantee you there are people in my crowd that are voting for Jill Stein and fucking Johnson and the fucking legalized weed now party or whatever the fuck, and I still meet people that I like every night, and most of the people I meet are people that I really like and wouldn't be put out by having a beer with, and that's a real 
thrilling reminder and I feel like it is my job is like the, the to bring good tidings from the yeah. road like to tell everyone like good guys don't forget that though America is being represented by assholes it is actually full of a lot of really good Americans does it get exhausting being that like middleman yeah, yeah <laughs> being a Baptist job is exhausting <laughs> for sure I don't I am so fried mentally right now yeah. and we're today is two weeks before I get to go home two weeks to the day a two week tomorrow two weeks tomorrow I'll fly home and I am like so fried we're tomorrow is show 50 out of 65 um, and like I am so fucking fried but like whatever man like at the end of the day like I was fried I worked hammer and sheet metal after I got out of college I was fried there too but it was not a satisfying fried like it was not a, it was a fried that made me get up every night after I took a nap go to the bar pound fucking whiskey wake up at the crack of dawn sweat the fucking whiskey out when the fucking whistle blew and go do the same thing over and over again and I will take this fried over that fried any day of the fucking week well that's Almost a perfect ending. I got one more question. I'll leave you go. Yeah, go we good. It. Yeah. So I remember I was l- listening or reading an interview where you're like, my whole goal was to play clubs to 150 people, <laughs> and now you're doing so much more than that. You're traveling the world. You're keeping going. So now you've accomplished that initial goal. How do you find new goals? How do you keep pushing yourself? And how do you keep going? We all like you. 99% of all of us that are working as artists or musicians. Um, are obsessively goal driven and it is a thing that does not sleep um, it doesn't you now you are never satisfied and this is a compulsion that um, no, not only drives you in a business sense but drives you in an artistic sense you want to be never satisfied your next piece should always be your pe- right. best piece and the goal is to take that sort of like wild horse that you're on and figure out a way to harness it and ride it and that's also like what makes artists go fucking crazy and do, get into drugs and become self-destructive. And that also is what makes artists become terrible artists because they're solely focused on business. And it's really about trying to find that balance between never being satisfied with your art and never being satisfied with your business to try to drive both forward together at the same speed so that you don't make shit art and your business doesn't crash and burn. And that's a very tough thing to balance sometimes. And it ebbs and flows. And sometimes I'm really good at one and sometimes I'm really good at the other. And it's, it, is, it is what it is. But it is relentless. And I wish I, it would stop sometimes, but it does not. And so the goals are always there. So to that kid out there that's listening, when destiny comes knocking on your door, what's the answer? The answer to all things are get the fuck out of your house and walk through the door and go do stuff. The answer to all questions is, all, is always get walk through the, the fucking door. Walk through the fucking door. Yeah. Yep. Hell yeah. Dude, pleasure. Andy, this was so good. Can Thanks, we do man. this again next time? I would love to. Anytime My hands you want. are sweaty. It's great. Um, yeah, please. Um, uh, uh, I can't wait for the show. Yeah, man. Thank All you. Right. We're going to hit stop now. Awesome. I need yeah. to find, figure out a better way to end these things. You did great. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, buddies. Andy, thank you so much for hanging out and chatting with me. It really was a, a real pleasure. And I, I really do mean when I say I don't think I'm really, really smart enough to talk to you. Um, it was said in jest, but man, Astronautus is such an incredible mind, an incredible person. Uh, great show that night at the Marquee Theater. Please, even if you don't like hip hop, please check out his work. Um, I, I, I like to recommend it to people. It's more like spoken word under like indie indie music beats kind of thing i don't know i'm not really selling it too well we're gonna play uh, another song at the end of this episode and hopefully that will sell you on it i don't know uh but thanks buddies for tuning in the um newest season i guess of mostly harmless podcast please visit mostlyharmlesspodcast.com like us on facebook subscribe on itunes we're on stitcher tuned in all those great websites um probably gonna do a new website here in the next few weeks uh, i did start a new company called airwolf pr so if you're looking for uh if you're in a touring band looking 
looking for some PR needs, please visit airwolfpr.com and contact me there. Uh, we're doing some really cool stuff with Mr. T Experience, uh, the band The Nobodies, who used to be on Hopeless Records, and uh, JJ, who owns the Triple Nickel Tavern. We're doing some stuff with the Fat Wreck documentary, Rad Girlfriend Records, and I got a few other projects I picked up at the fest that I haven't uh, really gotten ready to announce yet. So please take a look at that. And we're going to be doing a really, really big project here in Denver in February. It's going to be a two-day event. That's really all I'm going to say about that right now. But, buddies, I know it's rough out there, but don't panic. Stay calm. We will get through this. We will persevere. The world is going to be uh, – we, we just need to work harder to make this world a better place. We need to get up off our couches, out behind the computers, out behind our masks, and uh, take to the streets, man. I don't know what else to say other than I've had way too much coffee, and it's time to uh, turn that coffee drinking into beer drinking. Sorry, right, buddies. Uh, I know we're supposed to be promoting the new Astronautilus record, but I'd be remiss if I didn't play my favorite Astronautilus song. It is the one I mentioned earlier in the interview where uh, he mentions my good pal, Kevin Seconds. I interviewed Kevin Seconds and asked him about this song, but that interview was lost to a uh, corrupt a corrupt SD card. Uh, still super irritated about that, but seriously, this is the song that really, really grabbed me, shook me to the core, and made me fall madly in love with Astronautilus and Andy Borthwell's work. Um, this is Measure the Globe. It's a really fitting song, I think, to hear in these times and these places. Uh, this is off the record. This is our science. Measure the globe. Let's take a listen, buddies. Be calm. Stay cool. Don't panic. See you in the funny pages. Take care now. Sitting on a futon mat in a squad in Darmstadt. Kevin's second said to me in passing Oh, age never meant shit to me It's all about heart and stupidity Thought that there's no better way to live We were on the steps in Borno She bit my lip and choked my throat A highball glass shattered above our heads Seemed her lover listen through the walls While we're kissing arm and arm Left and spent the night alone instead I couldn't tell you, dear Which one whispers in my ear Devil or St. Andrew But I know it's time to go Sure you got a great theory If I'm hunting something or it's hunting me no, there ain't no right way to measure the globe Oh no, oh no
Oh.